Well, let's read Colossians chapter 3. Follow along as I read. If then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all and in all. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as man-pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done. And there is no partiality. Father, we ask that you would by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, plant the word. Plant this gospel into our hearts. Lord, make our hearts good soil. So that this good seed would bring forth a righteous harvest of fruit to your glory. Father, we ask that you would do this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul begins this chapter, or what we call this chapter, because remember the letter was written as one unit. It didn't have verse numbers and chapter numbers. But here in chapter 3, Paul pins these words, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is. 
sitting at the right hand of God. If then you are raised with Christ, seek those things which are above. Remember I said in these four chapters, if we were going to go through and pick out one thing, one thought, one truth from each of these chapters, we've kind of hit on a single truth as we've gone through the first two chapters. For me, as I read chapter 3, verse 11 is very key. At the end of verse 11, where Paul writes these words, but Christ is all and in all. Christ is all and in all. In other words, the reason for everything is Christ. Our identity is in Christ. Christ is the reason for the season. Here we come into the Christmas season, and we celebrate by all manner of, of ways. We're going to have a parade next weekend, and Santa's going to be in the parade, and we give gifts, and we have trees, and we eat food, and we have parties, and that's all right, and that's all good, because there should be a celebration of the birth of the Savior, and it should be glorious, and it should be joy-filled. But we can never forget that the reason we celebrate, the reason not just for this season we call Christmas, but the reason for everything is Christ. And Paul succinctly puts it this way, Christ is all and in all. And in the beginning of this chapter, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. If then you are raised with Christ, our faith has to mean something. Our faith has to be more than a verbal confession. Our faith has to be more than mental assent. Our faith must translate to our life. Our faith must define our life. And our faith is in Christ. Therefore, we could say it like this, Christ must define our life. If then you are raised with Christ, Paul says, seek those things above where Christ is. If then you are raised with Christ, set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. If you were raised with Christ, realize that you died because in order to experience a resurrection, you have to first experience what? A death. And when Paul writes these words, if you were raised with Christ, he is most certainly speaking of a resurrection which implies that there has been a death. If you were, if I have been raised with Christ, that means I have died. For you died and your life is hidden with God in Christ. That's what he writes in verse so who and what we seek where we set our mind and our willingness to reckon ourselves dead to this world Paul writes it this way in Romans Romans chapter 6 he said if you've been baptized into Christ you've been baptized into his death in verse 11 Romans 6 11 he says 
reckon yourself dead indeed to sin, but alive to God. In his letter to the Galatians, Paul says, I was crucified to the world, and the world was crucified to me. And this is what he is writing here to the believers. This is what was written for us, that we must know that if we were raised with Christ, that we have died and that our life is hidden with God in Christ. So we have to be willing to reckon ourselves dead to sin, but not just dead, but alive to God. To be dead to sin is to become alive to God. To be dead to God is to be alive to sin. We once were all alive to sin, and we were dead to God, but by the grace of God, by the miracle of the new birth, God has caused us to die to sin and become alive to Him. And that is what truly defines who we are and what we are. Christ is all and in all. If we have died and been raised with Him, then that defines who we are. And he goes on in verse 4, and he says, When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, passion, evil desires, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience, in which you yourselves once walked when you lived in them, but now you yourselves are to put off all these, put off anger, put off wrath, put off malice, put off blasphemy and filthy language out of your mouth. Don't lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. And in this new man... In Christ, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, there is neither barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free. Here it is again, but Christ is all and in all. So in these verses from verse 4 to 11, we see this, that Christ is all and in all. The living comes before the walking. A child has to live before a child can walk. A dead man has to rise to life before he can walk out of his tomb. The living comes before the walking. And this is true when we're born of the flesh and alive to sin. And it's true when we are born again of the Spirit and made alive to God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, you will appear with him in glory. I believe that applies in every sense of the word. There is coming a day when Christ will appear physically, and we will be called up to meet him in the air, and he will rule and reign on this earth forever. But I believe there has to be another appearing. There has to be another manifestation of Christ in the life of the believer. You must come to see Christ. There must be a manifestation and appearing of Christ in you in order for you to be able to have the hope and the assurance that you will live with him when he appears physically one day. Every eye will see him, 
Philippians says every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. But not every knee that bows and not every tongue that confesses will live with him in glory forever and ever. There has to be a manifestation and appearing of Christ in our life by faith. The eyes of your heart, Paul prays this in his letter to the Ephesians. He says, I pray that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened. In other words, I pray that you would have eyes to see Christ. And if you read very carefully the New Testament letters, this is what the prayer of Paul, this is what the prayer of Peter, this is what the prayer of John, this is what the prayer of James, and all the writers of the New Testament, this is their prayer. That we as believers, that our eyes would be opened and that we would begin to see Christ more clearly. That we would be able to see the manifest presence of Christ in our life. Christ is not just someone who lives in heaven millions of miles away who's going to come back to the earth to earth one day Christ is the Lord he is the Savior he is the creator of heaven and earth he is the God man he is the one who dwells in you and you dwell in him he is the one who promised that if I go away though I am with you now I will be in you then that's what he told his disciples in John 14 don't be fearful it's good that I go away because I'll sin the comforter, the spirit of truth, and he will dwell in you. How does Christ dwell in you now? He dwells in you by the spirit of God. This is why we are Trinitarian in our belief. We don't believe a different God is living on the inside of you now. We believe the same God who created heaven and earth lives on the inside of you. The Son lives on the inside of you through the Spirit. Because the Spirit and the Son and the Father are one. So when we're born again of the Spirit, we are made alive to God. When Christ who is our life appears, then you will appear with him in glory the more clearly you can see Christ in you the hope of glory the more clearly you will see the glory that you have become a partaker of in Christ it's easy for us to see our sin it's easy for us to see our failings it's easy for us to see all that's wrong it's much more challenging for us to see the miracle of God's grace and the miracle of a new birth when you look in the mirror and you see your flesh your flesh that is prone to fail your flesh that desires to sin your flesh that is perishing day by day but inside of this container this jar of clay this vessel of clay we call our body or the Bible calls our earthly tent. Inside of this earthly tent, inside of this vessel, there is a glory. There is an abiding presence. It is the abiding presence of God. It is the Spirit of God. It's not the vessel. It's the glory that's in it. 
And God in his grace and in his mercy has chosen to put his glory in vessels of clay. He has chosen to dwell among his people in his people. That is a miracle, church. That here you are, here I am, failed, frail human beings with a history, with a past that is sinful, that disqualifies us from being partakers of the divine nature by any shape, fashion, or form, but by the grace of God. We have been disqualified but it is the Father, we remember we read this, it is the Father who has qualified us. Though in our own right we are disqualified, the Father in His grace has qualified us to become partakers, to become one in the beloved. To come into union with Christ. It is the Father who has qualified us who has put Christ in us and given us the hope of glory. The question is, do you have eyes to see that? Not natural eyes. I'm talking about spiritual eyes. Do you believe what the word declares about who you are? If your identity is wrapped up in you, if your identity is wrapped up in your works, in your flesh, in what you're able to do, you're in sad shape. Because you will fall short every time. But if you trust what the scripture declares. If you trust the message of the gospel. The good news that says that we cannot qualify ourselves. We are disqualified. But it is God and his grace. It is the father indeed that qualifies us to become partakers. It is the father who qualifies us. Who chose us in him before the foundation of the world and it is the father who poured into us his love by his spirit who made us one with Christ though we were dead he raised us up in new life if then you are raised with Christ here's what Paul says in verse 5 Put to death the members which are on the earth. Put to death those members and those sins that bring the wrath of God upon the sons of disobedience. If you were raised with Christ, then put off the old man. Look at verse 8 and 9. But now you yourselves are to put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Do not lie to one another since you have put off the old man with his deeds. That, that word put off is just like me. It's, it's a word that describes exactly the same way I would take my sport coat off and put it on. That's exactly the word picture there. That we are to put off these things of the old man and we are to put on Christ. Put on the new man. Being raised with Christ implies that we died with him. It implies that we were crucified and we were buried with him through the cross. This is how we put to death our members, through the cross. This is why the cross is central to the gospel. There is no gospel without the cross. 
People today don't like to talk about the cross because the cross is bloody. The cross is brutal. The cross speaks of the wrath of God poured out on the Son of God. There's nothing pretty about the cross. There's nothing beautiful about the cross. The cross is terrible. The cross is fearful. But if you and I do not come to the cross and find ourselves crucified with Christ, we have no hope of ever being raised with Christ because there has to be a death before there can be a resurrection. And so this fact that we have been raised with Christ implies that we were crucified. And if we were crucified, then we were buried with him. That means the old man has been put away. This is how we put to death our members. This is how we put off the old man. And this is how we put on the new man. We put off the old man in the death and the burial of the cross. We put on the new man through the resurrection to life in Christ. We do this through the cross. We do this by his grace. We do this through faith. You have eyes to see what God has done through his cross. Do you have eyes to see what has happened to you if you have been crucified with Christ? Can you see that it is no longer you who live, but it is Christ who lives in you? Galatians 2.20. That is the appearing of the Lord. That is the manifestation of the Lord that must take place in us. And that's why I say your faith has got to be more than just a verbal confession. Yeah, I'm a Christian. We have now this classification of cultural Christian. That's not a biblical term. That might be a worldly term. That might be how the world defines people groups and nations. But that's not biblical. There's no such thing as a cultural Christian. You can have people that identify as Christians and they can come along and they can even come to the table and they can partake of the, the, the benefits of covenant community. But when it's all said and done, there is no such thing as a cultural Christian. You are either in Christ or you are not. You are either a follower of Christ who has been crucified with Christ, raised in his life, alive to God and dead to sin or you are not. And if you are not, the Bible has good news for you. The Bible says if you will cry out to the Lord, if you will call upon the name of the Lord, you will be saved. But you've got to know and I've got to know that we need a Savior. I will never cry out to the Savior I do not believe I need. If I don't believe I need saving, then why am I going to cry out to a Savior? The cross reveals both my sinfulness, my need for a Savior, but it also reveals the way that I am delivered from that sin and ushered into new life the power of resurrection by his grace through faith in Christ we reckon ourselves dead to sin and alive to God if you were raised with Christ 
then seek those things above. Set your mind on things above, not the things of the earth. If you were raised with Christ, then you died with Christ. Put to death your members. Put off the old man and put on the new man. Verse 12, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another if anyone has a complaint against another. Even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things put on love, which is the bond of perfection, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts to which you also were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, singing with grace to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. If you were raised with Christ, then put on the new man. For that man will bear the fruit of the Spirit. Those, those characteristics there of tenderness, of mercy, of kindness, of humility, meekness, long-suffering, those are consistent with the fruit of the Spirit listed for us in Galatians verses, uh, chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. And what Paul is saying is if you have been crucified with Christ, if you've been raised with Christ and the old man has been buried and put away and the new man has been put on, then you will bear the fruit of the new man. And here's how we know because Jesus said every tree produces after its own kind. That's the way God created the world in, in the beginning. In Genesis chapter 1, each produced after its own kind. Jesus said in Matthew 7, a good tree will produce good fruit. It's just a statement of fact. And this is what Paul is saying. If you were raised with Christ, then put on the new man and bear the fruit of the Spirit. Put on the new man, forgiving one another as Christ has forgiven us. If you have been raised with Christ, above all, put on love. This is what Jesus commanded his disciples. A new commandment I give to you. That you love one another even as I have loved you. So you are to love one another. Above all, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. It is the bond. It is the band. It is the belt. It is the thing that holds it all together. That's what the picture is there. This bond of perfection. It is what holds all all of it together. It's love. But we need to, we need to make sure we understand biblical love. Biblical love is not an anything goes, don't say anything to hurt anyone's feelings. Biblical love is tough love. Biblical love is kind, it's compassionate, it's tender, but it's also, when it needs to be tough, it's hard. It's in your face, just the way Jesus was. Jesus 
got in the face of the people he needed to get in the face of and he stood firm for truth because that's what love does. And Jesus knew it was better for people to stumble over him who is the rock than to have the rock fall on them and crush them one day. Jesus said it's better that I become a stumbling stone to them now than to let them go in their deception and the rock fall on them one day. That's exactly what he says in the Gospels. It's better to fall upon the rock than to have the rock fall upon you. So when we stand for the truth in love, sometimes people are going to stumble over Christ, the rock. They shouldn't stumble over you, and they shouldn't stumble over me, but sometimes they must stumble over Christ. It is the only way they're going to be broken and come to their salvation. Be thankful. Let, peace, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. Look at verse 15. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, and also let it rule in the church. In other words, let it rule in you individually, and let the peace of God rule corporately among you. And be thankful. Be thankful for what? He leaves that open-ended, doesn't he? Well, the implication is be thankful for everything. In all things, give thanks. For all things, give thanks. That's what the scripture commands us. Be thankful for God. Be thankful for one another. In this peace, in this unity that's ruling in our hearts, be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. How is that going to happen if we don't open up our Bibles and read? and meditate and study the word of God cannot dwell in us richly if the word of God doesn't get in us you've got eyes and you have ears those are the gates through which the word of God finds entrance into your heart that's those are the gates by which the word of God will richly dwell in you How many of you ate too much food this Thanksgiving? Anybody? Just, was it just me? Now, how did that food get from the table to your stomach? It had to go through your mouth gate, didn't it? If you just sat there and walked around all day looking at all that Thanksgiving food, you weren't going to get full like that, were you? And when we just have our Bibles sitting around on our bookshelves, or on our tables, or on our desk, or wherever that you keep them, if you have one, it's not going to get in you if you don't break it open and devour it. And whatever you do in word or in deed, in word and in deed, it's not just our words, it's our deeds, it's our actions. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The ultimate measure of our death and resurrection and new life in Christ is our putting on 
love. That's, that's how we know if we've truly put on the new man. It's love from God. It's love for God. It's love for one another. Love is that thing which binds all together. For without love, we are nothing. That's what Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. We can have all knowledge. We can have all faith. We can give our bodies to be burned. We can give all of our possessions. But if we don't have love, we have nothing. We are nothing. Now, having put off the old man and having put on the new man in love, Christ is all in all. Again, the measure of that is that we will begin to look like Christ. We will begin to sound like Christ. We will begin to conform to that image of the Son of God. The remaining verses, verses 18 through 25, I'm going to forego reading those for time's sake. But this is where Paul brings it all down to where we live. Faith works through love demonstrated in our daily lives as we do whatever we do. So wives, submit to your own husbands, for you are submitting to the Lord. Whatever we do, we do it as to the Lord, not to men, Paul writes in these verses. So the act of submission is not just a, an act of submitting to a human being. It is an act of submitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. For in loving your wife, you are loving the Lord. Children, obey your parents. For in obeying your parents, you are obeying the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke or discourage your children. Because when you do that, you're not trusting God, but rather trust God and demonstrate the same long-suffering and patience that God demonstrates with us. We obey and submit to those over us. That word bondservant is the word slave. Slaves, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh employees obey, obey your employers I mean we can we can translate this however we want this permeates to where we live life we obey and submit to those over us sincerely fearing God not simply pleasing men that's what the Bible says do it sincerely fearing God not simply pleasing men don't do it just to get a paycheck do it because it honors God and do it heartily as unto the Lord in honor of God and whatever you do do it heartily as to the Lord not to men whatever you do do it knowing that your reward is from the Lord they don't pay me enough at this job they make me work too many hours they're unreasonable in their expectations. Are you doing it as men pleasers or are you doing it as unto the Lord? No one's holding a gun to your head. If you're going to be there, do it as unto the Lord and glorify God in your doing. 
know that your reward is from the Lord because it's the Lord that you serve. That's exactly what Paul writes there in that verse, verse 24. For you serve the Lord Christ. There is no partiality with God. Why? Because Christ is all and in all. You don't have a position higher than someone else. You have what you have because of Christ. You don't have greater love from God than someone else because you pray more or you read more or you go to church more. There is no partiality. There is no partiality where Christ is all and in all. What makes you worthy to the Father? It's Christ in you. Christ makes you worthy. And it's Christ in you that enables you to come to the very presence of God. Paul brings our faith and our love for God and our love for one another down to real life. Our faith lives where we live. It lives in the trenches. And our faith must be manifest in the trenches, not only in the clouds, but in the earth like salt and light. If the salt has lost its flavor, it's not any good. If the light is hidden and not lighting anything, it's not doing any good. So the exhortation to seek those things above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God, the command to set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth, is not an exhortation and command to become less engaged in this earth, but it is, I believe, the exact opposite. It is an exhortation and command to be properly engaged in the earth. To set your mind on things above doesn't mean that we just say to heck with everything down here. I'm just going to live up in the clouds. I'm a spiritual person. I feel sorry for all you people that live down there in the earthly realm. I'm going to live up here in the clouds. No. You don't see that anywhere in the Bible. You don't see that from beginning to end, from the book of Genesis to the book of Revelation. There is no biblical character who live that way. We live our life here in the earth, here in this world. But if we don't understand how to properly be engaged, then we lose our effectiveness. And this is what Paul is saying. Don't get caught up with the things happening. Keep your focus on Christ. Why? Because Christ is Lord. Because Christ has overcome. Because Christ has made you victorious. Because Christ overcame death. And Christ overcame sin. And Christ overcame the world. And so do you in Christ. We are called by Jesus to be salt and light in the earth. Paul is teaching us how to engage, not how to disengage. We engage and we do all heartily as unto the Lord. We heartily seek those things above. We heartily set our mind on the spiritual and eternal as we heartily engage in life 
on this earth. What the gospel does is help us to hold all things in their proper tension. It's not a matter of one or the other. It's how we live. Understanding that we are in this world, but we are not of this world. We have flesh and blood bodies, but we are no longer known according to the flesh. We are now known according to the Spirit. If we don't understand the gospel message, we will not understand how to hold these things in their proper place. And this is how we get out of balance and out of whack, and we end up in the ditch on one side of the road or the other. And that's kind of where we find our nation today. And it has got to be the church that brings the people of God back to the right path. It is the gospel that will bring us back to the right path and the right way to walk. Amen? So, guys, come up. I'm going to invite you now to get ready to come to the table. Here's my charge to you, church. You are charged in His grace to trust in Christ, to trust in God. Don't be moved by the things you see around you, but put your hope and put your faith in God. As the elect of God, put off the old man and put on the new man with its fruit. Be a standard bearer of the image and glory of Christ. Let peace rule your life. Let the word of Christ dwell richly in your heart. And whatever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the Father through Him. As the elect of God, remember that all is by His grace, and remember that Christ is all and in all. Amen.